0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secrets of Marketers podcast, the only podcast you can rely on to give you real, raw, unfiltered marketing advice covering the latest tips, tricks, and tools that millionaire marketers use to make money online. I am your host, Jeremy Blossom. Sit back, relax, and let's start discovering the true secrets of marketers. I wanted to get right into it, man. This is a show that's all about sharing insights and secrets on how people have used marketing to grow their businesses. And you are, uh, you've got your own extremely successful podcast that you've been doing and now your second successful agency. Um, but I'd love to, you know, people know you, but maybe if you don't mind, Eric, kind of give a background on like who you are, where you come from, and then what are you excited about right now?
1: Yeah. So thanks for that, Jeremy. Um, so name's Eric Su, and I do all things that kind of revolve around marketing. That's just how kind of how things have played out. So uh, like you mentioned, I have the podcast uh, Marketing School, which I do with another marketer, uh, Neil Patel. And then I have my first podcast, Leveling Up. And other than that, I mean, you know, the way I've seen it is if you build the audience first and you plug things into it, it's actually much easier to do it that way. So we have an ad agency that's tied to it, single brain. And then we do have a software company Clickful, that's tied to it, but we also have education uh, tied to it as well. And we're just looking at, okay, what else can we buy or build right now that will plug in to the audience? Cause if you look at it from a very, um, you know, personal brand type of type of uh, situation with Kanye West with the ZZ's, and then you have Kylie with Kylie cosmetics. Um, a lot of people are doing this and, It could be really big names like that, or it can be uh, people, uh, they're they're called the one-man media uh, companies now. And you have um, people, you know, VC firms such as Andreessen Horowitz, which is very popular. They're talking about the passion economy. So these are all things that, you know, for me, um, you know, couple of years ago, it's content marketing, right? But um, I just see it as it just makes a lot of sense. It's one of the most uh, defensible things you can have. It's a, whether it's a company brand or a personal brand, I just think it's, a, it should be a no brainer. If, if you don't have one right now, you have a great company. You should go buy some of the attention, go buy a media property.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I think that you said something really good there. Uh, we're, we're getting right into it, which I love. Um, you said something really good there is like, it starts off with an audience, um, you know, people ask me all the time, "Hey, Jeremy, like, I'm thinking about they work for a company. They're thinking about going off and starting their own thing, and like, what advice would you have?" And sometimes they actually have like a full-blown, uh, you know, pitch deck or or uh, a business plan, and I'll kind of go through it. But the first thing I ask them is like, "Who's who, how, who's your audience?" And then how are you going to get in front of them? Um, Strike Point started out basically because I had a bunch of people in the trading and investing space that knew very little about digital marketing. And I just started saying, Hey, you know what, I'll help you. And they were a little afraid to do it because I had a, I owned a financial advisory firm and they were like, well, you're kind of a competitor. And I don't know about that. So I sold it. I got rid of my financial advisory firm. And then everybody was like, Oh, you don't longer have your licenses. You're not competing. I want to, so we, we grew in a service-based business. Um, you can grow super fast, but what did I do? I just started off with my audience, people who actually know, liked, and trust me already.
1: Yeah, that's huge. And so, you know, I think- there's a couple of things there. I think for anybody that's looking to start out, I think uh, by the way, a services business is a great way to start out because you don't need yeah. a lot of upfront capital. But um, you know, you know people in the financial services sector. I know a lot of people in the software space, so the, the SaaS space. And so I kind of occupy my niche over over there when it comes to speaking at conferences and, and things like that. And I'm sure you're the same way as well. So yeah, I, I think there's there's definitely a couple of things to unpack there.
0: Yeah. So. Um, this year, how has how is digital marketing for either your clients, the advice that you're giving? What are some of the things that have changed for you this year?
1: I mean, this year, so we're 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 recording this. Uh, we're still in the midst of of COVID. Um, I, I think you'll find a lot of people don't talk about this openly, but a lot of founder friends that I know, their businesses are doing well. They're growing a lot, and I think um, I think you and I we're, we're lucky to be in the in the digital space. I think. In terms of what work, what what activity has picked up, there's a lot more mergers and acquisition stuff going on now. Like because some people are just looking to get out, they want something new. I, I'm in the middle of trying to uh, buy buy this one uh, marketing software right now, and. It's just easier to do that once you have once you get let's let's say you're starting out you get a services business going you have great cash flow you can take that money and reinvest it back into the business or you can invest it into other things to continue to grow and and reach your goal so um, I I think there's this great book called buy then build really great book um, there's one called the, the messy um, the messy marketplace, I believe there's another book called the messy middle. Don't get that one. That's, that's a different book. It's a great book though. Um, but it's just learning that, Hey, look, a lot of the stuff that I know there's people looking to get marketing tactics out of this, but having a understanding mergers and acquisitions to me, that's just adding something to your marketing tool belt, right? Yeah. So, cause it's just, you're trying to add tactics and strategies and, um, you know, you're just trying to make yourself more well-rounded. So.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. I think that's a really good thing. You know, I've also seen that a lot of mergers and acquisitions are happening. Um, we've been approached a few different times with, with companies looking to pick up, uh, you know, any, any marketing agency that's growing in this time. Cause not every agency is, and, and unfortunately there are a lot of businesses who are not either. So it's kind of like almost a little bit of like, a, I'm sure you're getting the same looks. If you've got something that is growing, you're almost like COVID proof. Um, yeah. and, and that's actually fetching somewhat of a premium and, and gaining some excitement and traction. For sure. uh, what, what about from like a marketing perspective, Eric? Yeah. Like, what, what do you see there?
1: So I think, um, you know, what's fascinating is a couple of weeks ago, you know, more, a lot of people in tech were talking about GPT-3 um, and that is, I'm sure you've read about it a little bit, yeah. uh, but literally I was actually reading some articles and there's one that made it to the top of Hacker News, which is by um, the accelerator Y Combinator. And it was when it was written by GPT-3, it was written by a machine. You couldn't tell until the very end where it's like, this is written by a machine. I was like, Holy crap, this is where we're going. So, um, they're going to uh, open AI. Um, they're going to commercialize that I believe later this year. So I think there's going to be a lot of activity around that. I can see it used in so many different ways. Yeah. Just make think a long form article from every single marketing school podcast that I do, which is daily take that five minutes and make it long form. Right. And yep. you're not going to be able to discern what's happening. So I think that's coming, but in terms of what's working, um, right now, I think, I'll I'll talk more about SEO because I know a lot of people don't talk about, they talk more about paid um, and funnels and things like that. So I'll, I'll, in terms of what's working in SEO, it's, if you think about Google, right, they have to please their shareholder. So it just gets tougher and tougher to compete in the search engine result pages so it's getting more and more scrunched if there's site links your click-through rate goes down um the ads are becoming harder and harder to discern so anyway real estate's becoming less so that means less traffic for your website so now there is something called on serp seo which is you're optimizing on the search engine result page you no longer can wait for them to click to your website you got to do a good job there to entice the click so one of the first things you can do is title and meta description testing Um, And what that basically, it's no different than testing your headlines in Google ads, right? So you're testing, you know, marketing blog versus top marketing blog, best strategies and tips, probably more likely to click the second one. You can literally do that um, just by, you can do this for free. You can, let me know if I'm getting too technical. I don't think I am. No, this this uh, is great. Go into Google Search Console, look for your pages that have a high impression count and a low click-through rate, and then optimize those those titles and the meta descriptions. And then your job as a marketer is to bring people to the point of sale to entice people to click. That's one thing you can do to, to drive your click-through rate up. That's not going to cost you much. Um, we actually built that in um, to make it a little easier with our software uh, ClickFlow. And um, the second thing you can do is... Um, monitor the content that's decaying. So, you know, we actually created a tool called Content Decay, which shows you your top blog posts when they're losing traffic. We're like, hey, you're actually losing traffic here. You should probably go do something about it, which leads me to my next point. You should be upgrading your content constantly because if you think about Wikipedia, The reason they're always in the top three is because they have writers that are constantly writing and and editing pieces. And I like to use um, the Abraham Lincoln post as an example. You know, years and years ago, it was maybe 3,000 words, and then it jumped into 7,000, 8,000. Now I think it's about 16,000 words on that page. Um, But Google likes freshness, right? So how do you constantly update your content at a paragraph every couple months or so? So we had one post that was getting... 2,000 visits a month, now it's about 30,000 just because we keep adding more and more content to it or building more links to it, right? So it's the SEO one-on-one stuff, but people forget to, they're always thinking about new content, new blog posts, right? Or if you're running paid ads, what kind of new offer, what kind of new creative can I make all the time? But um, people don't forget that it's often... Same thing as, as as going like Warren Buffett, going long and, and, and you know, when you when you invest in a business, you want to hold it for a long time, right? You're, when you're investing in your content or investing in your marketing, things that are working, you probably want to hold on to it a little longer versus um versus let it go. So those are a couple of things that you can do um just to make sure that you know you're you're keeping up with you know all the changes that Google's making.
0: You know, I, I bet you probably get a lot of questions, just given your background, your expertise in SEO. Um, one of the things that I, I can personally attest to is the thing that I wish I would have done earlier in my career. I, I specialize in all paid media channels, right? So I buy a lot of media is I would have, I wish I would have done SEO. Um, how many times do you hear that from businesses once they finally grasp the power of SEO, right? Yeah. Um, how many times do you hear that, uh, that they should be, you know, oh man, I wish I would have gotten that way earlier. You,
1: not as often as I as I should because I think the, the okay. So I'll, I'll tell you some of the, my my best founder friends, the ones I understand SEO, they have a really unfair advantage. Um, but most of the time, I think people end up giving up too early because again, you know, with with paid, you can get results. Or let's say you're buying an email drop or something like that, you can get results. Yeah. Boom, quickly, right? And it's like it, it becomes addicting to do that. Why not just continue to do that? Um, but if you come from like I think my problem before was I used to try to do the the easy come easy go things, um, and you know it just doesn't work out that way for me. So it just the long boring stuff works out for me. I'm I'm not saying paid media is easy come easy go. It can be, but I was just I'm more referring to when I was trying, um, you know, the black hat stuff back in the very early days. Um, you know, things would just get torched quickly, and I'm just like, okay, you know, it's really the 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 long the long game that works out because it compounds well, and then uh, just sit there and wait. So.
0: Yeah, it really does. I've got some properties that we started a while back and um, we're starting to gain traction and momentum five years later. Um, and we're, and we're put, being much more intentional with our strategies. And one of the things that we've actually implemented and I'm really excited to have you on the show to talk about because this is a newer endeavor for you is ClickFlow. So can you explain, you know, cause I know that probably people either know you from a podcast or so, so they may have heard this, but for my audience, can you explain what ClickFlow is, how you got into it, and what the objective is? It's clickflow.com for everybody who's listening right now.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so ClickFlow, we actually worked on this during a workshop, but ClickFlow is, it's SEO software that spots opportunities that other SEO tools can't, right? So we, the, the tagline is basically, uh, ClickFlow helps you grow your traffic while looking like a genius. Um, and I'm happy to explain why that line, if you want, but- um, Yeah,
0: please. I'd love to hear that, how that came about.
1: Yeah. So we went to this, this workshop. Um, There's a book by Donald Miller called uh, building a story brand. And so we went to the story brand workshop because someone highly recommended it. And um, that was the one, the one takeaway I got, like there's amazing barbecue and everything. Um, But, you know, we, you know, we, there was a coach is like a two day session, I believe. And um, it's just, there's all these fill in the blank type of things that you have to put in. And then um, we refined it, refined it. And what we realized was that yes, ClickFlow does help you grow your, your organic traffic, but what, what most SEOs struggle with. I remember when I was working full time when I was about, uh, I think 25 years old or so um, it's hard to explain to your boss if they don't really understand what SEO is. So, you know, what our software does is it, it, from a reporting standpoint, it makes it crystal clear that what you're doing from an SEO perspective works. And then you, as a user of it, you look like a genius to your boss. So that's where the tagline came from. So ClickFlow While yep. well, yeah. looking like a Yep. I
0: love that, man. So it finds different opportunities that these other different SEO platforms don't find. Yeah. Can you get a little more specific on that? Like what are some of the things that you find most often that ClickFlow will find for your organization that something else wouldn't?
1: Yeah. So for example, there's not a lot of I I think there might be one other tool that does the content decay feature that we have where it will spot like, hey, you gotta be doing something about this. Um, We, earlier I mentioned, um, we have the title, and Meta Description Testing. So we actually, you know, we're tracking that, um, you specifically what you did, how many words you added, what specifically you changed, and then, you know, did you get a gain or not? Um, So we have our own, you know, we have our own unique way of looking at that. Uh, Probably the one thing that our, our tool does that other tools do not do is we have a feature called change monitoring where you can monitor your most important changes and it tracks every little thing that you do to it. Um, and so there's that. And then the final thing I'll say is we have a a piece called content editor, meaning let's say Jeremy, you're writing a, a content piece. You don't know anything about SEO and you know, you're, you're tasked with optimizing for a certain keyword. Well, what this will basically do is it will tell you what keywords you should be adding. So as you're writing in this box over here on the right side, you'll have the keywords that you should be adding. Um, and then as you write it, you know, the, 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 the check boxes will tick and then boom, you now have an optimized piece where it will help you with long tail content. So uh, long tail uh, SEO traffic. And what I mentioned earlier, upgrading your content matters a lot. So now your writers don't need to feel the stress of not knowing SEO. and you as the SEO manager, or the marketing director or the owner, you feel confident that um, you're doing what you can to you know, make the most of what you're writing.
0: Yeah, I love that, and that is one of the strategies that's worked probably the most effective personally is these long tail keyword uh, articles. Um, so for for I like to cater these podcasts for a wide variety. We've got some of my friends who are driving uh, are listening to this, and they've got a staffing company that they own. Uh, some are you know diehard digital marketers, and they're looking for the really nitty gritty, but. Long tail keywords, uh, long long tail in general. Can you explain that concept? Why is it so effective? And why I think every, that is like the lowest hanging fruit, in my opinion, and you're the master at this, correct me if I'm wrong, for businesses to implement.
1: Yeah. I mean, the same concept for for paid media as well. On the Google ad side, when you look for long tail keywords, these are the keywords that um, are not super competitive. So for example, red shoes is a lot more competitive than let's say, um, you know, size six, Uh, size six wedding shoes by, you know, I'm making names up. I don't even know if they make wedding shoes, right? Uh, (laughs) So, but that's probably still an expensive keyword, but that's a lot more specific. So the point is um, a long tail keyword will not have the volume that a competitive keyword has, but the intent is a lot higher. And um, sure, the volume is is smaller, but you're going to get a lot more converters from it. And so I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say we wanted to optimize for the keyword not just marketing agency, that's too broad, but e-commerce digital marketing agency, right? Then you're going to be getting people like, you know, Allbirds or whatever reaching out to you because they're being very specific about what they're looking for. So um, the content that we write, we don't try to, if you keep trying to go for the head terms, for example, SEO agency, um, it's already very competitive. You're better off writing for the long-term stuff first. And as you start to, as those pieces start to get more traction and you start to get more traffic from it, you start to rank for more stuff. Google as a search engine, think of it. You're an algorithm. You're like, oh, that website is it's relevant to marketing, and they're getting more traction. We should give it more more credit. And then you just keep doing good stuff. You keep writing great content. You keep you know building links. the The foundational stuff with SEO hasn't changed. And then you layer on the new stuff I'm talking about, and um, you should still be able to to compete when it comes to to SEO. But that's the whole foundational piece around around long tail. And you can easily use you know tools like Uber Suggest to find you know, keywords to, to, to long-tail keywords to, to, to go for. But oftentimes if it's a newer trend, you know, you shouldn't be looking backwards. You should probably be looking to, you know, look at Google trends and trying to guess, you know, what you think is going to happen. Um, especially because if you know your industry well, you're going to know better than anybody else and not wait to not wait for some keyword tool to tell you what to write.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You want to look, every business wants to look a little bit bigger than they really are. So that's why you invest money in a really clean website that looks robust and, um, you know, why you put certain pictures up in your social media presence. You kind of want to be known everywhere. And I think long tail keyword does a really great job of this because it makes you look like a big fish in a little pond. There's not a lot of competition around very specific strategic long tail things. And what we have found is that people who are searching for those have a lot of intent. Um, and it's the same amount of intent as like your generic ones, but I'd say even a little bit more because they know exactly what they're searching for. So you're getting a really much more genuine connection with your brand and that user than you would on some of the generic terms. And it's the most common mistake I see when I hear someone, I'm, I'm by far not the SEO expert at all. Uh, I would refer them over to you and like, this is the guy that you need to talk to. But those are some of the basic things that I can say, well, that idea or that logic that you're trying to, you know, in our industry, we specialize a lot in the trading and investing space. So like somebody comes to me and says, yeah, we want to own trade stocks. Oh, well, good luck. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like that's so, that would be so hard. Why not? Like, um, how to trade, you know, um, uh, best way to trade stocks as a carpenter. And like, you know, you're going after one specific niche. I just completely made that up, but yeah. That way, if your content shows up there, you're that big fish uh, in that little pond. And there's a little bit of guessing that can go into there if you're trying to look you know, into the future. But that's a much more appropriate use of your time and energy, I think, as well. So like that's, that. yeah, that's really cool that what you've done with ClickFlow. So where did the idea come from with ClickFlow? Uh, I know that a lot of entrepreneurs want to know, like, um, you're, you're a great entrepreneur. where did the idea come from? And then like, how did you get it from idea to the website that I'm on right now?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's honestly a stroke of luck. I was, um, scrolling through Facebook and then, um, I'm in the SaaS group and one guy was like, Hey, I'm looking for my next project, blah, blah, blah. And that's how I found my, my co-founder, my technical co-founder. Um, and you know, we talked on the phone and he had a couple ideas. I had a couple ideas. Um, and I, I do, I read a post, um, From the pinterest growth team about how they were doing you know seo ab testing i was like oh this is really interesting and so you know i was like that that was one of the ideas and i sent so we sent our list of ideas we surveyed our audience uh first sent an email out and then that was the idea that won out and then what we did afterwards was we pre-sold we said hey 500 bucks we're making this thing right now you know just send me a paypal right and then a a bunch of i think it was like maybe i don't know maybe like five or six thousand dollars in in just pre-orders um, on just a concept. So we're like, okay, let's do it. Now in hindsight, that was a really stupid idea, but, um, because that's actually not, that's just people that like me that, that put in that money. Um, but you know, we, what ended up happening was we built it and it's been probably two years or so. And when COVID hit, we actually, um, we worked out a deal with my, um, technical co-founder for him to move on. So we, we bought him out. Um, but, you know, then we hired, uh, we, we hired, uh, you know, new developers and, um, yeah, ever since then, it's, it's really, you know, been cranking. We're talking, you know, I, it was like double, double monthly recurring revenue, like two months ago. I then I think this month we might triple or so, so wow. that's going to continue on. And now it feels like it's really moving so, um, that I can talk about lessons learned from building, building software, but, um, yeah, it was a interesting journey. We'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, that does. And and I, am, I thank you for being vulnerable and open. Um, and you've shared more than uh, I expected because you're so real. That's one of the things I really appreciated about you. Um, when we first met in Florida, we sat down and you just were everything you said was real. You'll correct yourself. Actually, I think it's this. And you just keep it so honest and frank. And that's truth. That was that two-year journey was the real journey. And that's how you got here. You didn't say, well, I actually had this really great idea and I hired somebody and and now we're like tripling our our recurring revenue and it worked perfectly. You had to buy somebody out, cost money. You had to, you know what I mean? Like This is all like, you know, uh, there is no silver bullet for entrepreneurs out there. It's the hustle and the grind. You got to love that. But what are some, yeah. What are some of the big things that you've learned? I mean, this is your forte. You specialize in servicing and helping SaaS companies, right? Um, ClickFlow is exactly that model. What are some of the things that you think are, that have stood out to you on building these types of businesses?
1: Yeah. I think one thing that applies to everything is, um, let's say you're, you're building a team. I think, intuitively I've, I've never been wrong here I'm, I'm guessing this is probably the same for you once you feel that someone's not a fit within the first week or even the first let's say four weeks you're almost always right for me it's, i know it's 100 i don't know about you
0: yeah. You know, it's a hundred percent. Absolutely. Yep.
1: So it applies for everything, whether it's for software, whether it's for the agency, whatever. Um, you know, we, we actually, even, even a while back, we, we hired a, a senior executive for the agency and in the first week got on a call with a very big um, broadcasting company. And um, you know, it was just, the call was completely botched yet. I let that stick for maybe six months. Right. Because I, I backed out of the business. Um, and so you know, it, it's just things like that. That that's a gut feeling call. So I'm talking more around hiring. Sure. Um, but I think around the software side of things, and I, I think really just if if you're you know, what I learned in early days is like, oh, my God, you, you, you know, your parents teach you to optimize for money. you got to make money because it's safety, right? And what you realize is that just optimizing for the money is not enough. You have to optimize for the customer, right? And that's how you drive the biggest impact. And sure, you know people say, oh, Jeff Bezos, you know a lot of lip service. They are the most customer-obsessed company in, in the world. Um, and so you know when I looked at it from the ClickFlow perspective, we were building it. And um, there were just a lot of bugs. We kept building all these new features and there's a lot of bugs, right? And then and I was just like, like, we need to obsess over the the, the, the customer because I'm not ready to push this to my audience yet. Like we're opposite. We have the audience already. I yeah. just don't wanna, I don't wanna push it yet because it's gonna reflect poorly on me. Each time we push it, it it reduced my trust capital, right? So you, you build up all this trust capital, but then you only get one first impression. You make yourself look bad every time. It's, it starts to become embarrassing. And so um, after that, I was just like, man, you know, we, we had like a huge blow up. And by the way, I still talk to this guy. He's my, he's my friend still. Um, but, you know, we're just like, okay, you know, it's, I think it's time to move on. Then we hired someone that's just obsessed over stability and everything. And boom, after that, start changing a bunch of things. And then the customer's like, oh my God, this is way different from a year ago. And now it's just, people are, it's opposite. Before it was like, pushing a rock up the hill. Now it's like people are banging on the doors being like, hey, like, you know, I need this. Right? How do we get more customers on this? If an agency comes, comes in, oh, we need to, we're, we're ready to add on like, you know, 250 million organic visits, and which is a lot for, for our load. But um, it's just completely different once you flip your mindset and be like, hey, forget about the money I need to make. Let's, let's obsess over the customers and drive impact there. And then all the money you want, like, that's going to come no matter what. Like, that's a foregone conclusion in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's such good advice in so many fronts. Uh, I used to say this all the time. You got to search and be significant. Search, search for ways to be significant and then be significant and then the money and success will follow. I love that. Right? It's, not, it's about significance, not success. Significance means that you really can't do without. So if you think about you as a person or your, your company, your brand, um, are you thinking of ways that, man, when they, someone decides to do business with me... Um, I want to be so significant in the the uh, in that business that they just can't think of me not being there. Right. And if you can have that, if you can permeate their thought, like, "Wow, I don't want my comp- the strike point in this case to ever go away because I don't know where my company would be." The money will follow uh, because you're doing something right. So that's one really big point that you touched up on the end. And then, yeah, when it comes to hiring, um, I love that you went there because truthfully, and and this is, I want everyone to pay attention here. We're talking about building a SaaS company. So you think he would be, yes, he mentioned technology and things like that, but he's actually concentrating on people because people are, it doesn't matter if you're a SaaS company, you're Amazon, you're a freight company, you're a service-based company, you make ice cream. It doesn't matter. You do not have a successful business unless you've got good talent and good people working on the team. And uh, I've been, been there right with you, Eric. Um, I love that analogy of like kind of like pushing something and it's like super, super hard. That is actually the thing that I tell my wife, hey, if, if I'm talking like that, that something's really, really hard, to remind me, Jeremy, you're talking about something being really, really hard. You told me to remind you because usually that means I've got the wrong people in the wrong places mm. um, or I'm going down the wrong path. Because business is tough. So don't get me wrong. It's not supposed to be like roses and flowers and you know money just like coming into your bank account every single day. It doesn't work like that. It is a grind, but there is like a level of grind that becomes like, man, I don't know. Like, why isn't yeah. nothing going the right way? It's not like fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, it's not fun. That's exactly right. It's not fun. And then there's like a flow. There's almost this like switch that happens when you get the right people in the right places and everything's going really well. Uh, And there's momentum and things like doors are opening and like, ah, okay, we're on the money, you know? And uh, and that's really the objective, I think, as the CEO or business owner is to stay on the money and stay in that flow and like try to expand the flow without getting distracted from the success that comes from this and then derailing the whole thing.
1: hundred percent. You know, I I think um, one thing I read It didn't really sink in when I was about 26, 27 years old. So I think a VC wrote this, he was an operator in the past. And he was just like, look, the CEO really has three jobs. One's recruiting, one's financing and the three is vision, right? It's only those three jobs. I was like, man, that's so boring. Like I learned so much marketing. I want to do marketing. Right. And then you just realized that look, like I I mentioned earlier, like what we know from marketing, whether it's paid ads, uh, SEO, whatever, those are all, you know, tactical things, strategic things that you add it to your tool belt. Same thing with hiring. Same thing with what, what like you want to learn product development. All these little things you can add to your tool belt and you gain more context. The more context you have, the more you can talk to a broader set of people and make things move faster.
0: Yeah. Say that again. I, just for everybody who's listening, I, that was really, really good. So the first one, the CEO's job are three things. What's the first yeah. one?
1: First one is recruiting. Okay. The second one is financing. So that's keeping... Whether it's keeping cash in the bank or going out and getting financing, whether it's raising money, like, that's fine, right? Or you have a lot of options. The third one is vision. And those three things are, are a pain in the butt by themselves, but you still have to learn how to be really good at them. And ultimately, the goal of a CEO is to get out of the day-to-day. Like, it doesn't matter if you're the best marketer. You should go find someone that's better than you, right? That's so there's right. a lot of you know CEOs out there that can't let go of that. Usually, you can't let go of what you're best at, right? And and so that becomes a problem because now now it's it's like an Achilles' heel. Um, you, but you know, if you and by the way, if you don't want to become the CEO, like maybe hire go hire a CEO. So
0: then you hire the CEO, and exactly, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, I learned that lesson too from the hard way. I are the first four years of our company, Brian and I, my co-founder. Um, we literally wanted to be at the center of everything, and every single we were the account managers. We would write the copy, like. And we, had, we were hiring people to do it, and we get, kept finding ourselves doing it. And uh, one day, uh, we had another partner, and he's like, wait, wh- why, aren't, why isn't this done? Why isn't this ready? Why are we late on this? Why, what's, you know? And we really had a come-to-Jesus moment where, frankly, we weren't running the business at all. The business was running us hardcore. Clients were running us hardcore, and, um, and we weren't profitable at all. Um, now I felt funny enough as like the most important ever because I was needed. Right. So like intrinsically, I felt a lot of like value and satisfaction stressed out for sure. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and that's what I kept like telling myself, I was like, well, well, I still love what I get to do. I'm helping people. And what we were doing was working too, by the way. It wasn't like, it was like, that's the worst. It's like, you're doing all that. It's not working. We were helping clients grow. Yeah. But when we realized that like, we can't grow and frankly, like, if we really want to help people, we have to get our machine to be so running smoothly without us that it can help make the company be the reason why everyone's happy, not us as individuals.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, well, it sounds like in the very beginning, it just happens with a lot of service providers in the, in the very beginning. It's like you work yourself into a job. Um, yeah. And then eventually your, your job is to work yourself into a situation where knock on wood, you know, if, if something happens to you. Um, you know, the company can continue on and then then you can do like a test where you just disappear for like four to eight weeks and see how it goes.
0: Yeah. And try to like, you know, um, that's exactly, that's exactly right. Um, For you specifically, when it comes back down to your vision, you know, you've, you've really carved out a really great name for yourself in our industry. A a lot of people really look up to you. Um, You've got a a great reputation in our space. Um, What are some of the things that you are looking forward to, like, tackling and addressing in your future i love i love hearing that from my friends and from people in the industry but like you could literally write your ticket anywhere you can get a job at facebook you could go you know what i mean you could sell all your businesses right now um you know where are you going
1: yeah good question um and appreciate all the kind words um so you know my my job ultimately now because i so to preface this all um you know, I have a book coming out next year called "Leveling Up," and I I see business as as a game. And I used to do esports before it became a thing. And um, you know, I was just always like, man, like I don't like going to school. Like by by the way, I almost didn't graduate high school. Didn't gra- almost didn't graduate uh, college. High school, I didn't I didn't want to go to this one required class. College, <laughs> I just straight up didn't go to class. Um, and I would play World of Warcraft or poker at the casino, right? And, um, you know, I was just like, man, if I could find something that's ex- that captures the same exact feeling that I get from playing games, I'm going to be good. Um, and so now business happens to be that I'm like, God, I'm so lucky, Like right? When I wake up, I'm genuinely excited. Like I'll go, I'll be in the shower sometimes and I'll be like super excited, like thinking about a project. But, um, you know, so, so that's what it is. And so now I'm just like, okay. I will continue to build leverage with this audience. I'll make the audience bigger and bigger. It's going to go beyond marketing. So there's marketing, but leveling up, that will be its own thing. Cause I generally, I really love learning and I love teaching. Right. So I'll could, I've done the audience once I'll do it again. Um, and then, you know, I'm just going to go build and buy businesses. And so my, what I want to do is I want to have operators, super smart, executive type of training program. I want to have coaches for each of these executives because coaches go a long way. I have an executive coach. I'm sure you do too. Um, And so, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to go work with really cool people doing cool things and then just plug it into my ecosystem. I think the easiest thing to compare it to would be, I'm not going to say I'm Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger, but Berkshire Hathaway, it's the same model. It's they're actually a holding company. You know, they, they just go buy businesses and hold them. That's what I want to do. I'm not, I don't have an interest to sell, right, unless I get, like, a crazy, you know, multiple. Um, but even then, like, I'm not really – at a certain point, you realize you're not motivated by money anymore. You're just motivated by right. right? having fun, right, the, the impact that you get to make. And so, yeah, that's what it is. And then uh, just continue to carry on the, the movement with leveling up and continue to learn and, and teach.
0: That's cool. What is what's level up going to be about? Like what's the what's the premise?
1: Yeah. So um and I I got the main too, levelingup.com. I got it. Uh, oh, nice. Up. So um it is the the easiest way to explain it to people listening to this would be it's a habits book um that is that provides gaming anecdotes personally and then real life gaming anecdotes and also like how it applies to business and then what you should do with like which habits that you need to manifest. So for example, Um, there was a game I used to play um, where I stole someone's tactics, right? We're playing in a championship and it was a tournament. And the first two rounds, by the way, I was way weaker than everybody else, right? Everybody else was level 60, the highest. I was only level 55. So I had a really significant disadvantage. Didn't know what I was doing. But then I I watched this one German player um, that was like strafing around, like, you know, jumping around the the players and all that. So I just copied the tactics and I ended up winning the tournament. And so one of the chapters is about ethically stealing, right? Drawing inspirations for people because a lot of the things, for example, you and I, we both have agencies. Those aren't new business models, right? We're iterating right. on what we think it should be. And then people will iterate on top of us. And then the cycle just continues. We're really, you know, um, people say, what, what is it? You're, you're, you're standing on the shoulders of Titans. That, that's what it really is. So feel free to ethically steal. So
0: yeah, I love that. Well, what a great premise of the book. I love how you're tying it back to gaming. Um, funny enough, there's been a mental switch for me uh, going into 2020, and every year I pick like I- I'm not one of those that sets news resolutions and like has a big old list of things. I pick one, just one thing that is very, very specific that I have to almost modify a lot of my life around to achieve that. Uh, and so each year, and it's it's like kind of like random. I kind of think about it like I'm already thinking about 2021, and like you know, uh, and not always do I hit these goals, but. Going into this year, 2020, I was um, just this mind shift kind of happened where I was like, you know what? Um, and it sounds cliche, but like everybody like lives for the weekend, you know? Okay. What am I going to do this weekend? When, when am I going to do off of work and stuff? And I, I enjoy what I do so much like Monday through Friday, like during the, during the day, I was like, what if I actually uh, treated it like a football game, Right um and or like uh yeah like a football game where it's eight hours of like combat sports what would I be doing on my nights and weekends if that's really what I'd be doing I'd be recovering I'd be stretching I'd be eating right I'd be like getting to bed early so I can wake up because there's going to be like a 300 line 300 pound linebacker like chasing me down and so I've like changed my mindset and now it's like this is like my wife, my kids, like Monday through Friday, the 40 hours a week, that's like my time to go out there and like blow it up on the field. Then I get off the field. So I kind of, I switched that to living. So I love that you're taking that idea in this case, esports, but same thing, gamifying it and like gamifying your life. Yeah. And that's what I've kind of been doing. It's just like thinking of things more like a game. Um, it relieves stress. Uh, there's so many good parallels and examples that you can do from a strategy perspective. I think that's brilliant.
1: It's totally a game. I mean, it's um, yeah. Whether it's it's basketball, football, tennis, golf, whatever, it's still the way you're scored and everything. It's it's basically a game. The the bike I have back there, I lo- I love it because it's it's a game, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes I, I you know I I talk I, I talk crap to my friends and I send them like my workout. They send me theirs. They usually crush me, but it's fun.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, but and it, 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 nevertheless, it still gets you going. Um, I think that's really cool, and I love that you're doing it. How do you get time to? I mean, you got you got several different businesses, two several different podcasts. teach me your ways. How do you find the time to write the book?
1: Well, let me ask you this. Uh, So how many – so you're married. How many children do you have? Is it two? Two.
0: Two kids. Yep, good memory. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I I have – I don't have those three. (laughs) There's a lot of time. Um, But what I will say with the book, though, is I – usually what ends up happening, and I found this to be – I forgot who told me this, but it's like, yeah, a book actually ends up taking like – could be like four to six years. I actually started writing it when I was 28, I'm now 34, so I wow. did I would write it in spurts, and I, I'm glad that I got to write it over these last six years because I learned so much. Um, but there's just sometimes there'll be like a blitz. Like one time I was flying to Hong Kong, and um, I was using this this one app that said because I don't like to I don't like to get jet lagged. so I've been yeah. using this app called Time Shifter, and it basically gave me a sleep schedule. And it's like, yeah, you're not sleeping, so I'm like, okay, so I'm just gonna write. So I wrote the whole time. Um, you know, I'll take breaks and all that, but it's downtime like that where I get to write a lot of it. And then what ends up happening is um, you'll have an editor and um, I've had to go through seven drafts and then you have to keep editing. So there's, there's a lot of back and forth. We'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, that's cool. But that is a good point. You don't have the wife and kids. And if you kind of break this out into little spurts, you're able to do the same thing. And it gives me motivation. I, I have the same thing. I've got a, a book that I've been trying to get Uh, done. And I I will. I'll write it in spurts. I'll write it on planes or um, on vacation. I always like to try to carve out a day where I'm going to put some more, you know, uh, words to paper. And it's been good.
1: I I would say, though, um, you know, probably after your first book, at least for me, I think I'm probably just going to have like a writer next time because, you know, I'm like, oh, there's so many other things I can do. But I'm, I'm just like, oh, they can just like interview me and they can write the book and I can give them all the content that I have from other sources. So
0: yeah, I know. That's, I've been thinking about that too. I have a friend of mine who's done that and he swears by it. Uh, he's been really successful at doing that. But he he also uh, says that there is something about the research that goes into, you know, even if it's you're drawing from your own experiences. And I find that really compelling from, for, for where I, what I'm writing is like, I'm asking my father, Hey, what was it like here, and asking friends, and it's kind of nice to reminisce and you kind of like you know from a researcher mode, putting your you know things together there's you got to be able to enjoy that process, but I'm always curious on how people are able to get things done with so many other things that they're doing if they 've got some type of hack or if they've they time block and things like that oh yeah, uh, yeah, you probably do that. do you time block as well, like you know uh, yeah. from a productivity standpoint
1: um yeah, so I mean the days are you know, Mondays are all my one-on-ones and the traction meeting. So we use the entrepreneur's operating system. Fridays are completely blocked usually for st- strategic thinking. So those days are completely like, can, there's nothing booked. I'm just sitting there and I might, sometimes I won't get much done in terms of thinking. Um, and then the other days I'm mostly, I'm really kind of, you know, using a football analogy, I'm, I'm playing free safety. So I'm really jumping around yeah. quite a bit. But, you know, like you said, like you have, I know you have one singular focus, but I have my four goals for these, um, the major projects. And I'm just like, if I can't think of anything to do, usually I'll have like a, you know, three most important things I want to do next day. But when, once I finish that, I'll just stare at that list and then I'll probably come up with something. So Something
0: else that you're able to go and do. Yeah. Um, all right. So if you're, uh, I got two more questions for you. One is what advice do you have for a struggling business online? You know, with everything that's happening with COVID right now, Um and they're struggling. What are some things that you think that most most businesses could probably benefit if they heard this as a marketer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm the king of struggle. I mean, it's um, so I'll, I'll just share some anecdotes. So this is you know from EO and YPO, they have this thing called Gestalt, where sometimes you should experience, and then then I'll give some advice. Um, but um, I, you know, when I took over Single Grain. You know, people say, Yeah, oh my God, you bought it for two dollars out of pocket. Well oh, amazing. But no, but like what's not amazing is a year into it, nobody had confidence in me anymore. We dropped all the way down to one employee. And it was it was basically my outside accounting firm called me and said, Hey, it might be time to shut it down. And I almost I actually verbally agreed to a job offer in Texas um that would pay me up to seven figures and in, in bonuses. And um I but then I just immediately after I said yes, I was like, This is not me. I don't think I don't think I can do this. Like I did this to not do a, do a job. Right. And like, so I I think the point is for me, I naively stuck with it. And, And so eventually it kind of figured itself out. Right. I kind of stumbled into, you know, traction and same thing with my leveling up podcast. Initially after the first year, I was only, only getting 90 downloads, or sorry, nine downloads a day. spending six hours a week on it, recording, doing all the editing, everything, while I was trying to save single grain. Stupid move. And <laughs> after the second year, same deal, six hours a week on it, 30 downloads a day. But I didn't give up. And that podcast now, it's, a, it's, a, it's an affluent audience. It's a tech founder and, and, and uh, SaaS founder um, audience, you know, up to $100,000 a month. But that led to the Marketing School podcast, which is 1.3 million downloads a month. So but the key thing here is that took maybe three years to become a success. Um, single brain after taking it over, maybe two and a half, three years to, you know, start to make it work. And so my whole thing is just, um, what, what is it? Winston Churchill, if you're going through hell, keep going. Uh, because mm. for me, for some sick reason, I was talking to my coach about this yesterday. He's like, yeah, the, the reason you actually like rejection and you like pain because it ge- you reposition that strength. So I think if you're able to do that and and appreciate the gift that, you know, the struggle is, then um, you'll be able to get there no matter what. Because yeah, I don't particularly think I'm the smartest person in the room. I just think I, I, I stick with it. And by the way, poker is great for that because it's a constant beat down. So if you want to learn, you have some free time, go play some poker, go take a beating, and then I'll come back and get back to work.
0: Man, that is good. I might have to start asking that question to more of my guests, man. That is such good awesome. advice. I think that the, uh, that is so true. Everybody, you have to have that little sick, twisted part of you that doesn't see pain the same way. I see that yeah. so many times when I, I, I don't interview these people. These are just documentaries I watch of athletes or, uh, you know, screenwriters or whatever. These people, they put in, I mean, like, in, they're just, there's something loose in their head that they can do things and go further in hell, right? Uh, yeah. In hell than the average person. And I am happy that you didn't take that other job because we wouldn't be able to be uh, talking today and you wouldn't have all the success and I wouldn't be able to learn as much as I have from you. So my last question, I ask every single guest this, um, it's just, you can answer it any way you want, but it's a great way to close it out, which is how do you get inspired? So as a marketer, business owner, entrepreneur, um, like I said, you could piece out any way, anytime you want. How do you stay in the game? How do you stay inspired?
1: Yeah, I, I think it goes back to what I was talking about with, with leveling up. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of business literature around uh, you have to create, there's a BHAG, Big Hairy Audacious Goal, 10 to 25 year um, timeline. And there's also a 3HAG, by the way, there's a three year timeline. And it's it, they're very specific. And then so, you know, I, back in the day, I would set these specific goals and then something just didn't sit right with me. And then um, the founder of Activision, or sorry, um, Yeah, yeah. Actually, he bought Activision out of bankruptcy. And um, he was just saying, look, you know, a a mission is really something that is ideally unachievable, right? So, you know, Google organized the world's information. I don't know if that's ever going to be achieved. Um, You know, so I'm like, okay, what is my my ultimate vision? It's to level up the world. Because ultimately, what I like doing is I like learning, right? But I also like teaching too, because it it also reinforces my learning as well. And then other people get to benefit from it. And then selfishly, when, when I see other people light up and they learn and they grow, that makes me feel happy. So it's to level up the world and that's what keeps me motivated. And it just feels like a game every day.
0: Wow, oh, that's so cool, man. Well, keep leveling it up, keep learning. You're a great teacher. I love your podcast. Um, and Eric, as always, man, thank you so much for joining me on my show today. It's been an honor and privilege. If people want to reach out to you, obviously, um, I highly recommend as we were talking just in full transparency, I did sign up for ClickFlow. Uh, I need to use it. I seriously do. I need to use it. I was excited to kind of get the rundown from you. So, but go to clickflow.com everybody. But, um, if they've got questions, man, what's the best way that they can kind of like get in touch or, or just follow you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, they can listen to the Leveling Up podcast, or just go to LevelingUp.com. We're actually gonna have the first chapter of the book in there. Um, or you can just um, DM me on Instagram. It's Eric E R I C O as in orange, S as in sugar, I U Eric O S U. And uh, yeah, I'll you know I'll try to respond. I'll do my best to respond.
0: Awesome man. Well, thank you so much. You guys heard it from him himself. Go find him. Go follow him. You won't regret it. And Eric, thank you again for your time, man. Best of luck to you. And uh, I'll definitely have you back on the show soon.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks, man.
0: There you go. That concludes another episode of the Secrets of Marketers podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're looking for even more content, more ideas, more things that you can do today to help grow your business, then head on over to my Instagram page at secrets of marketers. I've got a bunch of content on there and we're giving you guys access to all the behind the scenes stuff that go into making these episodes happen, as well as even more content that you can start to apply to your business today. And if you guys like this show, then help me spread the word. Go to the podcast page on iTunes and leave me a review. It's how I can rank well and how other people can find me. So go for it. Thanks for making my dreams come true. Now go make yours come true. Thanks again.